Everyone say stir up the gift. On the first night, whatever that was, Tuesday, we talked about, I said this, you can't really operate in the gifts unless you know the giver of the gifts. And on Tuesday night, we talked about God in simplicity as the Apostle Paul so beautifully described the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen. And I found in my own life, especially a lot recently, I start my mornings every morning. I sit in my chair and I say, Father, thank you for your love. And I just take a few minutes and I thank him for his love. And then I turn my affection to Jesus and say, thank you for your grace. And Usually about halfway through the first sentence, I feel the presence of the Lord in a very beautiful way. So we talked about the giver of the gifts. Last night, I suppose we encountered the, just the power. And I believe we're going to encounter that again tonight. <laughs> but I want to take just a few minutes and, and, and demystify the gifts of the Spirit. You know what I mean? We all know what the gifts are. Well, we can name nine of them. There's actually 26 grace gifts mentioned in the New Testament, but we, we kind of know what they are and that they're divided into three categories and this, that, and the other. Three of them say something, three of them reveal something, and three of them do something. They're all awesome. But I want to demystify the gifts just for a few minutes. So if you'll permit me the liberty, we're going to turn to the word. Have a look in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, please. And I think this will really, really help all of us. I want to learn this evening. I want to grow as well. So my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would teach through me and, and explain more than I know, more than you know. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1, the Apostle Paul says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant or, or unaware. The word for gifts and gift in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is the Greek word charisma. You probably know that. There's a magazine in America called Charisma, and we talk about the charismatic move. And, but, but charisma, charismatic, has become more of a style, description of a style of church, rather than an experience anymore. Same like Pentecostal. You've got Pentecostal churches. The difference between being a Pentecostal church and Pentecost. There's a difference between being a charismatic church and charisma. But I believe God is wanting to bring us back to the charisma of the Holy Spirit. And so these nine gifts listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 aren't the only charisma gifts mentioned in the Bible. And I want to take a few minutes to highlight some of the other charisma gifts because it will help us to better understand the nine that we talk about and refer to as the gifts of the Spirit in their proper perspective. So the word charisma is derived from the basic Greek word charis. And does anyone know what the word charis means? It's grace. The word charis means grace. It's normally translated. One definition of grace is this, the unmerited favor of God toward the undeserving and the ill-deserving. We've got to understand that. Grace is the unmerited favor of God toward the undeserving. Everyone say undeserving. The undeserving and the ill-deserving. So nothing in and of ourselves earns or deserves God's offer of love or his mercy or his favor. It's his grace that causes him to do this. We've got to understand this as we move forward in this message in the context of the gifts of the Spirit. They are grace gifts. And so here's a very, very quick synopsis of how grace gets from God to us. Number one, you've got to know this. Grace is free. It cannot be earned. 
Now, I know you know these things, but it's good to hear it again. And trust me, it will help us to operate in and to understand the gifts. I'm praying as we demystify the gifts that this will really, really help you and me. Number one, grace is free. It cannot be earned. Number two, grace is given through God's sovereignty. He doesn't owe anyone an explanation for the workings of his grace. Why does he use one person and not another? That's his choice. It's his grace. It's a gift to the ill-deserving and the undeserving. Number three, grace comes through Jesus Christ. He is the channel. We learned that a little bit on Tuesday night. By grace are you saved through faith. The law was given through Moses. John chapter 1 verse 17 says. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And so there is no grace given anyone in any circumstance or situation that doesn't come through Jesus. He is the, the agent of God's grace. Number four, I think is number four, whatever number we're at. I've just got dots here. Grace comes to the humble. It's only offered to one kind of person. If we pridefully think we've earned God's grace, then we are mistaken. God resists pride, but he gives grace to the humble. So trying to operate in the things of God when pride is in your heart is completely futile because God himself will hold you at bay. When it comes to the gift to the spirit, if we think that we earn them, that we deserve them, that it's somehow, well, I was praying today. I don't know what you were doing. No, no, no. God will hold all that at bay. Pride stinketh in the heart of God. I mean, I think it's, well, the fact is listed to one of the things he hates and God doesn't hate much, but he hates pride. But he gives grace to the humble. Grace comes through faith. There's only one way that grace is appropriated in your life. In other words, you actually begin to experience it and see it working in your life. And that's through faith. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says, by grace are you saved through faith. And this is why I'm talking about this tonight. Because grace is something, it isn't activated until you hear about it. Then you believe it. And then you begin to experience its power. So this is part, same way salvation. You heard the gospel of grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You believed it. You received it by faith. And you began to experience the power of salvation in your life. By grace, through faith, are we saved. That's how all grace things operate in our life. We hear about the grace of God. We believe it. And then we are saved. Or we're healed or whatever it might be. So that's how salvation is activated in his life. We heard it, we believed it, and we receive it. And then lastly, whatever number we're at, grace is administered by the Holy Spirit. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 29, the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of grace. And the Holy Spirit administers God's grace just as he administers everything we receive through Jesus Christ. So that is a very, very quick synopsis of grace. And so with this understanding of the way charis or grace works, we can begin to understand how grace applies to the grace gifts or the charisma of the spirit. Because charis is grace. It's the overarching grace of God. But when you add a ma, M-A, to charis, it changes it from a general abstract noun to a specific noun. So charisma, the ma, makes the charis specific. So this is a way in which it works. Charis, grace, teaches us that by his stripes we're healed. Charisma says, but what I'm healing right now is diabetes. 
charisma by his stripes were healed or charis. That was his grace. He stood at that whipping post knowing at any moment he could ask his father who would have sent 10,000 legions of angels and delivered him from the whole thing at any moment. He chose not to. That's his grace. Everything Jesus did is by grace. 39 stripes, 39 categories of sickness and disease. It's his grace. Charis, but Charis must says right now he's opening your eyes. So the Holy Spirit, the spirit of grace operates within the dynamic of the grace. So the grace of God, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ gives you the boundaries of the gifts of the spirit. So if you're trying to operate in something which is outside of what Jesus has provided, it's not a gift of the spirit. It's just you. And if there's a manipulation begins to come in, it's not a gift of the spirit. That's one of the ways you can understand and have the boundaries of what's a a familiar spirit and what's the Holy Spirit. Because a familiar spirit will try and operate outside of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ because it doesn't care about that. But the Holy Spirit and the word, Jesus is the word made flesh, are one. So as we begin to look at some of these other gifts, you can see it in in a different way. Romans chapter 12, verse 6 and 8 says, Then having then gifts, charisma, a grace gift, differing according to the grace, charis, a general grace that's given. So having charisma according to the charis that's given to us. So charisma, the gift of the Spirit, will line up with the grace that's on your life. Different people will operate in different graces. And therefore you will find charisma operating within the charis of your life. Don't covet another man's gift. Don't covet another man's grace. Celebrate and thank the Lord for the grace that he's placed on your life. And you will find there's great gifting within your grace. But step out of your grace into someone else's and you'll find you are not gifted to operate another woman or another man's grace. But when you're in your grace, you will find there's a ma on the end of it. So God takes your general grace and does very specific things through you. For example, you might have a grace in the area of finances. So you will find that one of the 12, 26 charisma gifts of the spirit is generosity. And you'll find that there will be certain people that are very, very sensitive And the gift of generosity operates through their life. So you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you through his poverty might be made rich. We understand that God's grace is appropriated. Philippians 4.19, my God will supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Jesus is the, the author of grace. So God will supply all your need. But as you're walking out of church, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit sends $50 to him. And that's a charisma. So God's grace will supply all your need. Right now he's supplying that electric bill that I didn't even know existed. But he did. What's that? Charisma. So what should we do? Immediately. Out comes the 50. Why? Because that's you operating within your grace. And you will go very, very far when you are operating under grace. You will go nowhere when you're operating by yourself. And as the charis, 
that rests on a body of believers becomes charisma to you and charisma to you and charisma to you and charisma to you. Every joint begins to supply and the body lacks nothing. One man doesn't have all the gifts. One woman doesn't have all the gifts, but you and me together. So celebrate one another's grace, celebrate one another's gifting. Amen. Romans 12, verse 6 and 8. Having then gifts, charisma, differing according to the grace, charis, that's given to us, let us use them. Let us use them. If it's prophecy, well then let's prophesy according to the proportion of our faith. What do you mean according? It's by grace through So there's a grace on your life which will have an expression of charisma, but it's still by faith. If you've never operated in that gift before, if you've never tested the boundaries of your grace, you don't know what it can do. But as you begin to grow in that grace and as you begin to grow in the charisma, your faith grows. It's not that the grace changes. It was there all along, but it's by grace through faith. That salvation or prophecy or whatever it is. So let us prophesy according to the proportion of our faith. If it's ministry... Serving, let us use it in ministering. He who teaches, in teaching. He who exhorts, in exhortation. He who gives, do it with liberality. He who leads, with diligence. He who shows mercy, with cheerfulness. Now notice again, Paul lines up the word gifts and grace in this teaching. There are 26 types of charisma gifts mentioned in the New Testament. Let me tell you them. I'm not going to give you the references for the sake of time, but one is righteousness. Another is eternal life. Another one is prophecy. Another one is ministry, which is serving and health. We're all called to serve. We're all called to give. But there are certain people you'll find that just have a grace to serve. And let me just say, you don't really know if you have a servant's heart until you're treated like a servant. Let me just throw that out there. A little, little pastoral nugget for the moment. <laughs> say, use me, Lord. The next thing, I just feel like I'm just being used. Well... But there are some people that are just, I mean, they're always there early and they always stay late. And it seems like, like you and me, we get kind of burnt out after a while. That person just, I mean, year after year after year after year, they're serving. Do they don't never get, when you don't have the grace, you look at them and feel, I, I feel a bit bad. But they're operating in their grace. And in fact, that grace, if you'll let them operate in it, they will so beautifully serve the house of God. They will so spectacularly serve a body of believers that the whole body can begin to flow and flourish because God has set certain gifts in the church and he will always put some serving gifts in that church. And yes, we are all called to serve. And yes, the Bible says if you lead, lead cheerfully. Encourage the people that have serving gifts. Encourage the people that have gifts of giving. Encourage the people that have mercy gifts. But let them operate in that gift. Prophecy. Did I do that one already? Ministry. That's serving or helps. Teaching. Some people are just awesome at teaching. They start talking. You think, where'd they get that from? I've read that verse a thousand times. I never, it's almost annoying, but they just got it. So listen, I mean, what if you got a teacher around you? Ask them questions. Exhortation. Some people can just take a, they can make a pancake rise up. 
I mean, they just got a gift of exhortation. <laughs> Other people are so negative. Don't let them near your car battery. <laughs> Leading. Some people are just natural born leaders. Other than other than other people, if you're following them, my Lord, you need grace. I don't know it's a grace gifting. You just need a grace gift. But some people, they lead. It's just a delight to follow them. They get going one way and you turn around. You say, oh, there's just 30 people following them everywhere you go. You recognize that grace gifting on them. Let them lead. Giving. We're all called to give. But there are some people that have an unusual grace. My dad had it. He did. He had it. That I can't tell you how many people's houses he filled with furniture. How many cars he and my mother bought for people. How many crusades he paid for. Just had a grace on his life to give. Showing mercy. That's a nice one to be around. We have a, a gateway. We have a pastoral care team. There's about, I don't know, 40 or 50 people on it. It is the, it's just the nicest group. Every now and then I'll kind of share with them about different things. It's just a lovely room to be in. Everybody's so kind. They're so nice. It doesn't matter if you're five minutes late. They just love you anyway. Everyone offers to make you tea or a coffee. It's just, it's just nice to be around that mercy gift. Here's another one you might be less excited about. Celibacy. <laughs> no hanky-pankies. But some people are, are gifted in Christ. <laughs> Sorry. I shouldn't find it. I'm not. But some people are. And they, you know what? Can I just say this for a minute? Let me just speak into this. Being single... I don't know when it became in the church this sort of almost kind of a, a, a second rate thing to be single. Can, can we just qualify that the, the undoubtedly greatest character in Christianity and arguably the second greatest character in the church and Christianity were both single. The Lord Jesus Christ and the Apostle Paul. Celibacy is a grace gift. Which is enables you to be 100% single-minded, focused on the Lord. If God says move to China on Thursday night, Friday morning, there's a backpack on and you're heading east. Celibacy is a grace gift. A word of wisdom. It's another one. A word of knowledge. Oh, we, we know these ones a bit more. Faith, or special faith. Gifts of healings. Working of miracles. The evangelist I trained under, he, he operated in the gifts of healings and the work of miracles. And I remember when I was about 11 or 12, he was holding, his name's Steve Ryder. You wouldn't have heard of him. He's done a lot of stuff in Australia and Europe and Central America, but not so much in the United States. But I remember I was sitting in a meeting or watching him and he'd always let me stand really, really close when he prayed for the sick. My first overseas trip was to Africa when I was 14. Went with him and had an incredible time. But there was a guy that had a leg that was probably about six inches shorter than the other one. And uh, that's when I learned, you know, Joel Osteen, he starts every service with something funny. I tried that. I've only got one funny thing to say. It's a healing evangelist joke. What'd you call a lady with one leg shorter than the other? Eileen. So anyway, so <laughs> it's my one preacher joke. <sighs> so, Anyways. <laughs> It's cheesy. Levi, if he was here, he'd be saying, Dad, just don't. Just don't. But anyway, 
So this guy, he wasn't Eileen, but he was whatever, man with the, his leg was about six inches shorter than the other. And I'd seen previously a person's leg healed of a similar, similar distance. And I remember I was standing there watching it, and I was determined to watch this leg grow, and I missed it. I missed it. I was sitting there, or standing there, and watching it, and it must have happened while I blinked. The Bible talks about in the twinkling of an eye will be changed. This person's leg was changed in the twinkling of an eye. In less than what you and I would measure as a second. Because God is not in any way, shape or form limited by time. And all that happened was what Jesus provided 2,000 years ago just suddenly manifested. And I mean, I'm watching it. And it must have been when I blinked because in less than a second, a moment ago, it was this short. And the next thing, it's the same length. And I missed it. And I was annoyed. I had another opportunity. And he was praying for this person. His leg was about six inches short. The guy had a big built-up shoe. And he knelt down. He began to pray. And as he was praying, he started pulling the guy's leg. And he pulled it all the way out. And the leg grew. And I didn't ask him at the time because it wouldn't have been appropriate. But afterwards, in the car on the way home, I said, why did... Because I was thinking, even as an 11-year-old, I was thinking two things. I was thinking, one... God doesn't need him pulling the leg. If God, you know, my, think, my thinking was, if God's going to do it, he's just going to do it. And then number two, I thought, you can pull all you like. You're not growing a leg six inches. If it was that easy, we'd all just pull. You maybe pull it off, but you can't just pull a leg out six inches. And so I asked Steve Ryder, I said, why did you pull his leg? And he said, John, it's called the working of miracles. You have to learn how to work the miracles sometimes. Without one sentence, one statement, just revolutionized my thinking about the anointing, about the power of God, about cooperating with the Holy Spirit, about working with the anointing, the working of miracles. They will say the working of miracles. Sometimes you've got to learn how to work a miracle, not just a healing miracle, a miracle of the anointing, miracle of provision, a miracle of whatever it might be. They worked a miracle when they fed the 5,000. That was the working of miracles. It didn't just happen. They, they had to work with it. Had they not worked with it, 5,000 people would have gone home hungry. There are times, there are anointings in a room. There's a grace on your life that, that the Holy Spirit is trying to turn into from a, the charis on your life to a charisma. He's trying to do something right now. And, and we don't work it. And the person misses out because the gift isn't for you. The gift is for the recipient. Sometimes I walk out of a room and I say, Holy Spirit, what gifts have you got? I know there's 50, 60, 70 people in a room. Lord, I know you've got gifts for them. What other gifts? What, what gifts have you got? He'll say, oh, I'm going to fix someone's lower back. Oh, wonderful. What else are you going to do, Holy Spirit? Well, there's someone that's just come under a bondage of oppression 24 hours ago. I'm going to lift it off of them. Guess what? If I don't work with that, that person goes out with them back no better than they came in. They're just as depressed on the way out as they were on the way in, even though there was grace in the room. Different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues, number 17, number 18, discerning of spirits. You know what all these are, so I'm going through them pretty quickly because it's unnecessary for me to explain further. Apostle, prophet, teacher, helps, 
administrations, as governments and leaderships, evangelists, pastors, and their miraculous intervention. So I want us to take a time to look at this because it helps us understand the gifts of the Spirit, the grace of the Spirit is wider than just the nine gifts of the Spirit. But we do uniquely talk about the nine gifts of the Spirit. And I believe the reason for that is this. It's in the way that Paul brings it. He says this in Romans, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit everyone. Everyone say manifestation. The key word that distinguishes the nine, what we traditionally call gifts of the Spirit, from the other 15 grace gifts is the word manifestation. Because a manifestation is something that's openly revealed to our senses. We can see it, we can hear it, and we can feel it. So we know that the physical body of the Christian is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Bible teaches us that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Don't you know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? But the Holy Spirit within the temple is invisible. His presence can't be perceived by any of the five physical senses. So on the inside of me, standing right here, this handsome, rugged, chiseled chap in front of you, on the inside of me is the Holy Spirit. But you, you can't see him. Until one of the gifts of the, the nine manifestations of the spirit shows up and is like the wind. You can't see the wind, but when the wind blows, you see that the trees are moving. So you say, oh, it's windy today. How do you know? Because my hair's blowing. Because the flag's blowing. And so the beautiful thing about the nine gifts of the spirit is that's how people with their senses can see and hear and know that the Holy Spirit is in a room. Might that be useful? Oh, yeah. In fact, I believe any one of the nine gifts of the Spirit in manifestation, as we grow in faith and those manifestations get stronger and stronger and stronger, any one of the nine gifts of the Spirit can bring revival to a city. Any one of them. And so no one sees the Holy Spirit indwelling in the believer, but the things that the Holy Spirit does from the within the believer are the manifestations of his presence. We need the manifestations of the presence of the Holy Spirit again. We need those things. When God begins to demonstrate his power. And so carrying on talking about working the miracle and working with the miraculous. Much of what God has done in my life has been through the gift of the working of the miraculous. Not just healings, although that's part of it. But when the anointing begins to operate, the anointing begins to flow, that is working with the miraculous. I remember years ago, I was in some meetings with Rodney Howe Brown, and he was talking, I mean, I was 17 years old. And he was talking about the anointing and talking about the move of the Holy Spirit. And he was demonstrating how the Holy Spirit and the anointing, the power of God can be transferred. And I remember he asked me to stand up. I was standing in the front, sitting in the front row right next to him. And he took this modesty cloth. And he, he said, you know, one of the ways the anointing can be transferred is through a cloth. I believe it's Acts 19 verse 11. God wrought special miracles. Through the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought to the sick, handkerchiefs and aprons, and the evil spirits and the diseases departed. Again, that's the work in miracles. Please don't limit the work in miracles to healings. Much of revival comes through the gift of the working of miracles. 
The miraculous power of God to change a life. The miraculous power of God to change a church or a city. And I feel strongly to emphasize this one this evening because I believe that this is something that God is wanting to break out in this church. In fact, I pray that there's a deposit by the end of these three days of the working of miracles. And working with and cooperating with and operating with the Holy Spirit. And so he took that cloth and he said, watch this. And he threw it at me. And I was standing there trying to be dignified and composed. I'm English for goodness sake, so we don't do nonsense. And I'm standing there and this thing hits me and I go back like this. And I'm trying to stand on my feet. And he looks at me. I've, I've gone about, I don't know, how, what's that? 20 feet, 30 feet. I've gone across the room. And my mouth is, my mouth is twitching and trembling. And he looked at me across. He came over and he picked up the thing. And he said something. He said, don't ever step out of the anointing, kid. And I'm standing over there thinking to myself, what an nincompoop. Not him, me. I spend all my life saying, God, touch me. And then he comes to touch me, and I'm running away. Some of you did that last night. Why must the Holy Spirit chase me across the room? Don't step out. Step in. Step in. When the anointing begins to operate, don't step out. Step in. For the greatest principles of revival. The Bible says in Proverbs, I think it's right at the start, says, turn at my reproof. Behold, I'll pour out my spirit to you. Reproof isn't just a telling off. It can be, but it's not just a telling off. When the Holy Spirit reproves and we turn, God says, I'll pour out my spirit. But when God reproves or speaks and we ignore, he'll wait. He'll wait a frustratingly long time. Then he took someone else and he held his hand, got in between them and the light and he held his hand. And so the shadow came on them. Just, I mean, the anointing all over this person, just at the shadow. Brother Hagen used to walk around the room. I think, didn't he come here a few times? He'd walk around the room and what's he doing? He's beginning to stir up the gift. Stir up the gift. There was a grace on his life. And he knew if I operate in that grace, that charis will turn into a charisma. You may or you may not know what the gift is on your life. The great, there's 26. Look back at the thing and you can write them down and study them up. Find out you might, you might have several that rest on your life. Several that are, that are that way inclined. But if your grace gift is showing mercy, find someone that needs mercy. And begin to minister to them. Begin to love them. Go to their home. Make something for them. You'll find that there is charisma. There's power in that grace. Don't run from it. Don't hide from it. Don't let yourself be so busy. That you don't give space for the charisma. And then we complain. Well, God never uses me. Well, I never see anything happen in my life. Well, why, does, why is there no anointing? It's fine for him up there singing away. Why has nothing ever happened in my And we get grumpy about it. We fold our arms and we get all huffy puffy. And the Holy Spirit's placed a grace on your life. There's a grace all over you. You just got to operate in it. And don't limit it to someone else's. 
Can you go back to the piano, my brother? Shakita, I'm play that song you were playing before or something. You play what you like, actually. Come on, let's stand up on our feet a moment. Having then gifts differing. Gifts differing. You got different gifts. But I'm telling you what, God sets them in the body as it pleases him. Don't be afraid of one another's gift. Don't be jealous of one another's gift. Celebrate the gifts. Celebrate the grace. Celebrate the grace. Celebrate the grace. Come on, begin to raise your hands to heaven. And thank him for the grace he's placed on your life. Thank him for the grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of the love of our Father revealed through the communion of the Holy Ghost.